Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Damien Barr and I'm in Brighton, in the Northern Hemisphere, where spring has sprung. I'm welcoming you to another salon exclusive where you get to be the first to hear about the upcoming books that we are most excited about. Let me tell you about Sister Song by Lucy Holland. It's an ancient and immersive story that takes us back to the days of Celtic Britain in the land of Dumanonia. The novel is inspired by and rooted in British folklore and told from the perspective of three indomitable sisters, Reva, who can heal anyone but herself, Cain, a warrior who struggles to take on the mantle of the sun their father never had, and Sina, whose mind is set on love and adventure. The father, the king, has abandoned the old gods and magic is fading from Britain. With the Roman defenders departed and the kingdom besieged by Saxons and their Christian god, each of the sisters will be tested as their world teeters on the precipice of change. Hello, I'm Lucy Holland and I'm thrilled to be reading exclusively for listeners of Damien Barr's Literary Salon from my new book, Sister Song. Sister Song is set in the West Country in roughly 535 AD. And one of the major themes it explores is the tension that existed between incoming Christianity and the paganism practiced by native British tribes. It was easier for Christianity to gain a foothold in pagan Britain if it overlaid its own festivals on top of established traditions. So Candlemas, held at the start of February, shares a date with Imbolc, a festival that heralded spring. Gildas, the Christian priest trying to seed Rome's religion in Britain, has built a church in Dunbriga, capital of the Dumnoni tribe, and has persuaded the royal family to hold a Candlemas ceremony. This extract introduces you to 17-year-old Keen, one of the king's children, who is fighting the priest's influence over his home, and also the way this influence is making it harder for him to express his own identity in terms of his gender. When it all becomes too much, he feels he needs to escape. On Imbolc morning, I wake, sweating, before dawn. In the early darkness, I can't see the room. I could be anywhere, could still be dreaming. But I know I'm not, because I can smell wool, baking bread, and a hint of the dried flowers Reva sewed inside my pillow. I breathe out, clinging to wakefulness. I don't want to slip under again. Only a nightmare, I tell myself, but it lingers behind each eye blink. A world of black skies and sunless seas, and a rumble in the east. My outflung hand finds Bridget, and I clutch the wheat doll to me like a talisman. Maybe she really does protect us. Maybe she woke me before I felt the worst of it, before the dark nothing consumed us all. It's like a scene from Gildas's Bible, a punishment that awaits a sinner. I know what Gildas would say too. He'd tell me the dream is a warning, that if I don't change my ways, I will feed that waiting more. Slowly, I calm. The high window begins to let in light. The smells of the fort are joined by sounds, the shouts of servants, the errant whinny of a horse, the ruckus that heralds a new day. In bulk. Or Candlemas, as Gildas insists we call it now. When Lokina appears, I am already up and warming my hands over the central fire pit. 
Ah, Lady Keen. She sounds pleased. You always rise earliest. She moves behind my screen, opening chests, rustling cloth. I've laid out your clothes, she says, her voice faltering at my silence. I must go to your sisters, excuse me. I nod, but she is gone, disappearing into the ember-lit gloom of our shared quarters. On my blanket is a dress, brown with pale stitches. It swims in my vision. All at once, the dream returns, and my nose fills with the stench of carrion. My legs wobble, but I force them still. It's just a dream. It's just a dress. I can't do it. My stomach heaves at the thought of going to church, candle in one hand, bunched skirts in the other. It's a betrayal of everything I am. I reach for the pail, but nothing comes up. We're not allowed to break our fasts this morning. My skin is clammy, and I want desperately to shed it like snakes do. I want to run free. I want out of this dim room with its dresses and prospects and Gildas's censure. I want to be me. My heart is racing again, goose flesh creeping along my arms. I could say I'm ill, but Lokina has already seen me up. And anyway, illness won't stop Mother dragging me to church today. When people look at me, they see the King's daughter, no matter what I say or do, and I well know that Gildas wants to cleanse me alongside my sisters. But I can't do it. I won't do it. It's early. Mother might still be dressing. Reva rises later than I, and Cena will have to be poked out of bed with a spear. My mouth twitches briefly, despite my sombre thoughts, if I'm quick and quiet. I seize the linen I use to bind my chest flat, wrapping it round and pulling it tight. I cough out a breath and hope I won't have to run. Shirt next, fumbling the laces, then green tunic over it, followed by trousers and shoon. I don't bother with the leather wraps that secure them to my feet. Time is short. Still struggling to take a full breath, I peep around the edge of my wooden screen. There's no one visible beyond, though I can hear the sounds of dressing. A guttering torch throws my shadow across the floor. With my hair tied back, it's a man's shadow, anonymous. Once outside, I spot only royal servants and townsfolk as I weave through the upper terraces, slipping between buildings, flipping up the hood of my cloak as I go. No one recognises me. The cold finds its way between the layers of my clothes, but I wish I'd brought mittens. There's a scent on the wind, sharp and green as the wilderness outside the walls. It's a scent that makes me want to run. The church squats on the second terrace, lower than our great hall, and it's not as large or imposing as Gildas would like, I wager. I don't want to look at it or imagine my sisters inside it. Somehow it, it ruins the pattern, as if Dunbriga is a tapestry and the church a rogue tear. When I reach the lowest terrace, I see guards lining the wall, ever watchful for Saxon scouts, but I don't intend to go that way. There's a hidden place, a landslip on the eastern side. Here, dirt has fallen from the high earthen banks that guard the hold, leaving a gorse-filled hole just large enough for a person to crawl through. Muddy and cold, it's the only unguarded way out of Dunbriga. The gorse pricks me as I push it aside, and I wonder whether Father ought to know about this breach in his defences. 
It's a question I've asked myself ever since I discovered the landslip. Is my freedom worth risking our safety? Were an enemy to find this place, my selfishness would endanger more lives than just my own. Still, I say nothing. This taste of freedom is the sole reason I survive, living in a world that does not see me for who I am. The morning is thick with mist, a poor herald of spring. It's fit for my purpose, though. Keeping low to the ground, I scurry field mouse fleet through the long grass and into the shadows of a copse known as Keed Hen. It encloses one of the nematons, those old sacred spaces where our people can talk to the gods. My feet weave between brittle branches, trying to remember the way. The path to the glade is lost now, lost or closed to me. I used to go there with my family at least six times a year, to dance and sing, worshipping the gods as our ancestors had done. We made offerings to Andraste of the moon, to Ipona and to Kurnunos, the horned god, blood, gold, and our hunter's best pelts. I remember my father in his true crown. It could only be seen during rituals or when he called up magic in defence of our home. It was woven from light, the symbol of the bond between leader and land. My sisters and I laid offerings on the altar, then linked hands so our family formed a circle around it. And even though I stood between Riva and Sina, I could feel my father through them, as if some invisible cord joined us all together. It was as if the king's blood flowed into the land we stood upon, and his power infused us in turn. That was, until Mother put a stop to it. No, Kador, she said one midwinter day before we set out for the Nemeton. I have shamed my ancestors enough with these barbarous rituals. The priests that pass through here say they are wicked and base. Christian priests, who know nothing of our gods or our way of life, these ceremonies are our heritage, Father replied, frowning. The Domnoni people have always drawn power from the earth, and we guard it in turn. What are we without the very land beneath our feet? Stronger, Mother snapped back. While you waste time in dance, we could be receiving emissaries, striking trade deals, drawing up plans to deal with the Saxons should they decide to push west. We are already vulnerable here. What allies we have will abandon us if we continue to worship heathen gods. The world is changing, and it's leaving us behind. I think that was the day the doubt began to eat at father, and the old ways suffered for it. We still went to the glade but the gold we brought with us was tarnished, the pelts rougher. Bandits killed on the fringes of our land were food for the crows, their skulls abandoned, instead of being added to the eerie ghost fence that kept our boundaries strong. We would linger at the altar for minutes rather than hours. And then the visit ceased altogether. I haven't seen the king in his true crown for years. Now he wears an ordinary metal band, just like the Christian kings of other tribes. Maybe the poor harvests are simple bad luck. Or maybe the gods have grown tired of us. And thank you, Lucy, for that particularly cinematic reading. It's a pacey historical novel powered by myth and magic that grapples with sweeping themes of gender and identity and the old replacing the new. It glitters with rich historical details and just a few elements of fantasy. 
top it all off, Sister Song is a debut by a bookseller. Bookseller? Based in Devon. And you know how much we love booksellers and new writers. Sister Song is published by Macmillan and available now in all good bookshops. As always, we recommend you buy from your local indie, but if you're unable to, then grabbing a copy from our page on bookshop.org is always a great option. Thanks for joining me. Have a lovely day.